Hello to all of you unconventional conventionists. Welcome back to Rocky Talkie. We're a Rocky Horror podcast that talks about anything and everything Rocky Horror. My name is John. I'm Nikki. And I'm Aaron. Nikki, Aaron, it is lovely to see you all again. How are we doing? What was the past week like for both of you? Anything fun and special going on in your lives? Oh, man, I had an absolutely great week, John. Like, I was doing a ton of work stuff for the, and, and wrapping it up right before the holiday. Uh, Meg and I had a wonderful Thanksgiving, just kind of chilling, uh, chilling all to our lonesome uh, here in New York City. We uh, went out for a wonderful dinner late, late at night. We were able to do brunch with uh, some family members, and that was really cool. But uh, we got to go to this super neat, like, live jazz club and have Thanksgiving dinner uh, accompanied by live jazz. It was super awesome uh, down at the Flatiron Room. That was a lot of fun. Uh, but most exciting, our friend Jesse was in town, who uh, many of you in the community might know Jesse. She was a longtime New York City cast member, uh, one of the best magentas that I have ever personally seen. An absolute delight. It was so wonderful to get to see her again. So she came up, and we got to go out with her. Uh, that was super, super cool. So uh, seeing some friends, seeing some family, uh, enjoying the holiday, that's what I've been up to. What have you guys been doing? I forgot that Thanksgiving was this week, honestly. <laughs> that like just took me by surprise. I was like, whoa, that's a holiday that happened. <laughs> right? Um, it was kind of swag. I did my usual two Thanksgivings, which I haven't realized. Like when you're a kid, having two Thanksgivings is so cool because it's like at two o'clock you have mashed potatoes and then at six o'clock you get to have them again. I'm like an adult, so I had a serving of turkey and was ready to go to sleep, and then I Mm -hmm. had to like drive 40 minutes to the second (laughs) Thanksgiving and do all the hellos, and I was like, this is is way too much for me. Uh, I was in bed by 8 p.m. that night, but it was very swag. I like Thanksgiving. I like the food, and then yesterday... FNS did our show at the House of Independence, which was fucking insane. Oh, hell yeah. How'd that go? So crazy. It was like, okay, they said that there was going to be standing room. And I mean, we all do Rocky Horror. I hear standing room and I get nervous because the idea, I didn't know, I've never been to the venue. So the idea of just like doing a show where there's a bunch of people standing around doesn't seem too cool. It was awesome. They had the seating in front of the stage. And then the standing room in the back. And there was just so many people like fucking around and dancing and vibing and like clustered. And it was so cool. I lo- It was awesome. And the audience was insane. Like it was so much fun. And the venue was just incredible. All the staff was incredible. I had a great time. That's awesome. Yeah. Love it. But how are you, Jen? So Thanksgiving sucks and it's a bad holiday and I okay. hate celebrating it. However... Immediately after Thanksgiving is the best holiday of the year, which is, in fact, Black Friday. Oh, God damn it. Hell fucking yeah. Black Friday can kiss my cheeks in the best way. (laughs) So I went out with my friend Craig. Shout out to Craig. He doesn't listen to the podcast. But I went out with Craig at 5 a.m. Friday morning, and we went to Old Navy. We went to Best Buy, we went to the mall, we went to Target. This is all in uh, suburban Philadelphia, by the way, suburban Philadelphia, not up here. And I walked away with like $230 worth of new clothes and swag and merchandise and just chef's kiss. So Black Friday is one of my favorite 
days of the year. So uh, the savings are just unrivaled in the suburbs of Philadelphia. So that's why I go home. I don't even go home for Thanksgiving. I go home for Black Friday. Oh, man. Meg can agree with you on that one. Black Friday is Meg's absolute favorite holiday of all time, mostly because she likes to punch people and buy things. Yeah, Um, it's fantastic. I can attest to that. (laughs) I also love punching people and buying things. She was so disappointed this year, though, because, like, we live on Fifth Avenue, right? There are so many amazing stores right by us. Not a single fucking one of them did anything for Black Friday. They closed the night, you know, the night before and then didn't open until noon the next day. Fuck that. (laughs) Yeah. Meg, next year, if that happens again, you can come with me down to Philly and we'll... We'll do uh we'll do Black Friday in the Philadelphia area. It's way better. Uh so yeah, we did that. And then for everyone who is listening, we are recording this on a Sunday. So that means tomorrow is Cyber Monday, which is the second best day of the year. So I dropped about two hundred something bucks on Friday, and I'm probably gonna drop like another two hundred something bucks tomorrow on Cyber Monday. So may the savings be ever in all of your favors. I can get behind Cyber Monday. I mean, nothing says, you know, happy happy holidays like paying the exact same price you would have paid three months ago for something on Amazon. Exactly. And with that, let's get started with our first segment, which is Global News. It's Bing round. Bong. Bing bong. Fuck your life. Fuck you, global news. First up in global news, hey, yo, this past week, we got a brand spanking new panel from the good people over at GalaxyCon with Nell Campbell, Barry Bostwick, and Patricia Quinn. We're obligated to run advertisements at the top of this segment to give you a taste of the various plugs everyone started the panel off with. Visit Barry at his website at www.barrybostwick.com where you can buy funky clocks, his underwear, and much more. Visit Nell's yet-to-be-published site, littlenellcampbell.com, new and coming soon. Not that Little Nell has any idea when. And lastly, visit Patricia Quinn's site at patriciaquinn.co.uk, which is a non-for-profit site run for Pat by a mega fan named Katie. Woohoo! Now that we've got that out of the way, we're going to give you a little rundown on the most fun bits. Starting the interview early, Little Nell gets the first stocks of the night by letting us know Patricia Quinn lives at Primrose Hill. Thank you, Nell. That's going to be very useful in the future. And we learned that Pat follows and is regularly entertained by Nell's Instagram. Barry has a Facebook, but he got rid of Instagram, and he doesn't tweet because too many crazy people follow him. Jacob... After explaining this, Little Nell teaches Barry that he can block people. Aw, it's so cute to see the boomers giving each other tech tips. After the websites are brought out and introductions are over, we get to some questions, which I'm sure is what all you want to hear about. First up, funniest behind-the-scenes moment. Is it just me, or does everything we say about GalaxyCon involve the same three people being asked the same three questions? Yes, but for each panel, there's a chance that they'll mix up their answers, and then the piece becomes primo Rocky Horror content. While Barry couldn't figure his answer out, he was adamant that the filming for all the pool scenes was very cold and not at all funny. (laughs) (laughs) What a great answer, Uncle Barry. And in what will come as absolutely no surprise to fans of Little Nell, it turns out she's the fun, slutty one out of herself, Barry, and Pat. 
Uh, her funniest behind-the-scenes memory is a behind-the-scenes orgy occurring between performances of the Rocky Horror Show. Surprisingly, it's apparently Little Nell's first and only orgy. So, while there's a lot of fun discourse on the orgy, Little Nell is adamant about a few things. One, orgies are, quote, not sexual. I'm leaving. Uh, right. Two, that she will not be sharing the orgy participants to everyone. And three, that her and Patricia will talk about it in detail later. Okay, I'm here for that. So, coming off of this orgy... More like coming into the orgy. <laughs> nice, John. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> Got him! Barry, having not performed at the live show, asks what opening night was like. Quinn and Pat let him know that it was absolutely magical and that they were terrifically well-received from the moment the usherette walked across the stage. After that, they went back to the audience, and an anonymous viewer asked, uh, what is your favorite song from the Rocky Horror Picture Show? Which leads Little Nell to try to convince Barry Anonymous is a Latin name and not a cover for people without usernames. Which gets the conversation off on another tangent, as Barry mentions his son and the second docs of the podcast. If anyone is looking for Bostwick II, he's currently at Cambridge. Ooh, that'll be useful too. Finally, we get back to the question. Answers in. Little Nell's favorite song from the show is Pat singing science fiction double feature. And we're unfortunately cut off before anyone else can answer. <laughs> of course. Somehow, Barry mentions that he thinks a part of the reason Jim Sharman picked up the Rocky Horror Picture Show was due to its non-religious nature and the fact that he was tired of religious shows. That's probably true. Uh, Jim Sharman had done Jesus Christ Superstar and all the other stuff. So, uh, yeah, no, I can feel that. This panel was kind of all over the place. I mean, I'm here for it. We're totally here for it. And this, of course, led to a bigger conversation on who believes in what higher power. Barry believes in an Eastern sort of greater consciousness. Little Nell doesn't believe in God. And Pat <sighs> Quinn likes her religious privacy. <laughs> Which means she's a Christian. I'm sorry. <laughs> the conversation gets back on track and we learn... Barry's favorite song from the show is... I. This blew me away. I'm going home. Go figure. Could be me. Said no one ever. Yep. And Quinn's science fiction double feature. Though her and Nell agree they really loved all the music from the show. Last question of the night. Did you get to keep anything from the set of the film? So this was really interesting. Uh, Patricia Quinn references that a part of her spacesuit, she recently found it at her home, and she didn't even realize that she had taken it home from the set. Little Nell has her original script. Now, you might think next we would find out the fun piece of Rocky memorabilia Barry took home. Or, instead, Little Nell might for some reason go into a deep dive on a conspiracy theory she has that Jeff Bezos and all the recent billionaires who've been flying into space are being methodically targeted and killed by alien entities. Of course, you can only learn what happens if you check out the podcast right towards the end at minute 37, 40 seconds in. A few more highlights. Little Nell hates William Shatner. Pat Quinn thinks he's one of the most delightful men she's ever met. And Barry thinks he made a lot of money off of going to space. I bet all three of those are actually true. So next question, if each person could have planned and taken any one thing home from the show... Barry would have taken his original pair of underwear in an answer that he turned into an advertisement for his undergarments. Little Nell would have kept her first outfit, the tailcoat, hat, and tap shoes. Me too. 
And the conversation veered off track before he could get anything out of Pat. So, like always, this GalaxyCon panel was really fun, and some of the tidbits we've mentioned are just a small taste of the conversation. You can, of course, find the whole thing at the link available in our show notes. Next up, if you're looking for some great holiday gifts for the Rocky nerd in your life, an online shop called You Wouldn't Believe It has recently posted some new additions to their Rocky Horror wood carving line. (laughs) Wood. Oh my god. (laughs) We've spoken about this company on the show before, but for those of you who may have missed the story, a Londoner named Mike was diagnosed with adult-onset ADHD and ASD back in 2019 and decided to take up wood carving art as a way of dealing with the diagnosis and symptoms. He grew to love the creative outlet making custom wooden art provides and opened up his own small business called You Wouldn't Believe It, (laughs) where he creates three-dimensional wooden art for different movies and TV shows, as well as making custom commission pieces for clients. A few months ago, Mike was on Facebook promoting his new Rocky Horror piece, Frank seated on a pair of big red lips. And just this week, Mike has been back on the Rocky groups promoting two brand new themed Rocky projects. The first is a hand-painted wooden plaque featuring Brad and Janet in front of the Home of Happiness Denton sign. You know, right before Brad proposes. Beneath them are the words, Damn it, Janet, I love you. The product description reads, A declaration of love for anyone who happens to be called Janet. This would make the perfect gift for anyone called Janet. If you don't know anyone called Janet, buy it for yourself and change your name to Janet. You wouldn't, it's very cute. <laughs> That's cute. You wouldn't believe it is not responsible for anyone who changes their name to Janet in order to purchase this item. I will also not be held to account for customers having damn it Janet stuck in their head like an annoying earworm for eternity as a result of purchasing this item. Thanks. That's going to be, now I got to listen to that for the next hour. Damn right. Each piece has been cut out of various thicknesses of birch plywood to give each character some depth. It's then painted, spray painted, and varnished in a gloss finish. These gorgeous plaques can be purchased for the low, low cost of 95 pounds. That's about $125 in freedom bucks, or roughly 24 Frank jackets. And speaking of Frank jackets, the second piece up for grabs is a Frank Inverter holiday ornament, featuring our favorite sweet transvestite dressed in his full sweet tea ensemble, topped with a Santa hat. These ornaments are still in the process of being made in small batches. Mike has two batches underway already, and all of those have already been claimed. Way to go, Mike. Make that money. The ornaments retail for 25 pounds. That's $33 or roughly 90 Frank jackets plus shipping. I don't think that's the correct exchange rate for Frank jackets. It's not 90 Frank jackets. It's, that's like not even the price of a single pin that's on that Frank jacket. You're an idiot. <laughs> if you're interested in purchasing one, you can message Mike directly on Facebook and he'll custom make you one of your own. Details can be found on his Facebook promotional post, along with a super cute photo of the ornament. All of this is, of course, linked for you in our show notes. And with that, let's head on over to everyone's favorite segment. Community news. Thank you, Aaron. First up in community news, the Ordinary Kids out of North Jersey will be hosting an extra special crossover show featuring performances from Rocky Horror Picture Show Hoboken and the Tesseract Players of Boston. Oh, I mean, you all know, we here at Rocky Talkie love a guest performance show. And the idea of getting three casts together on the same stage? Now that sounds like the best time. Have you guys ever done three casts on stage together outside of a con? I think our cast might have at some point. I just can't think of any particular instance outside of, like, all the New England people technically belong to a thousand casts apiece. 
Yeah, that was going to be my answer. I was like, yeah, Rowan and Harley perform with us kind of regularly before the pandemic, and they are both on at least two casts each. So, like, that technically counts. Right? I mean, Rowan shows up for an event, and great, you got six casts represented. Right. I feel like if you would count Rocky Horror alum as a second cast, we've had plenty of shows where um, NYC alum Phil has performed alongside of, like, us and then Harley or us and then Rowan or something like that. Yeah, I, I always love those shows, not just because you get to see people that you don't normally see, but because you get to see all of the different interpretations and just the little things that are slightly different. Like, oh, you guys block the, the elevator over there. And oh, OK, I didn't know we have aisles in this theater to use, you know, that kind of stuff. Oh, you know what? I actually do have an answer for this. Ooh, do okay, tell. Yeah, I do. Now, now that I think about it, I, I thought about it. OK. Um, so aside from all of that with Rowan, Harley guesting with us, Phil coming back, if you count the alums, there was one time we actually did have three casts on one stage and it was in Pittsburgh. So me and Savannah, who are both part of NYC, went out there to perform in a regular one-off JCCP show. We were riffing Magenta and then additionally 13 from RKO was out there with us as well. I don't remember exactly who 13 played, but 13 was there, me and Savannah were there, and then JCCP was there. So that is definitely three casts on one stage. All right, three casts, one stage. Mm, my favorite. I'm going to the piratebay.com right now. <laughs> what? Nothing. What it's about you, good. Nikki? I have absolutely nothing. Cool. Well, it sounds like the best time. Congrats to the Ordinary Kids for getting a bunch of the community together for something so fun. For anyone in the North Jersey area, the show will take place on December 11th at 9 p.m. at The Claridge, a historic theater in Montclair, New Jersey. There will also be a live pre-show set by the Mary Lou's, a spooky, ooky, sometimes kooky horror rock band from New Jersey. All audience members are encouraged to dress up. And, of course, wear a mask. That sounds fun. Hell yeah. And if you just can't get enough of the Ordinary Kids cast, we've got a double whammy for you this week. Our friends in New Jersey just released their first enamel pin, which is now available for purchase. And if you can't get enough of the Ordinary Kids cast, please stop listening to us. This <laughs> enamel pin is a pair of the lips and a very poppy pink and blue with the words, You're okay by me, outlined in gold across the top. Oh, I get it. Ordinary Kids, okay by me. Okay. The pin is adorable and would make a great addition to any Frank jacket. If you're interested in checking it out, we've got a link for you in our show notes. And if you'd like to purchase your very own, all you got to do is shoot the Ordinary Kids a message. Pins are $10 plus shipping and all purchases really help support the cast. If you buy one, make sure to tag the cast in whatever adorable selfies you take with it. Who doesn't love getting to see their own merch in action? Next up, we have another new video in from the Francis Bacon experiment about something that has been very near and dear to me and Aaron's heart recently, creating costumes and props on a budget. This video was everything. Allie and Jamie took time to break down and share with us exactly how they make the spacesuits their cast has been using during performances recently. These are absolutely not Edge Creations level accurate suits, not by a long shot, but they look great, are ultra affordable, and look super easy to transport to and from theater venues. For those of you who haven't had a chance to watch the video yet, the secret ingredient of the suits are tablecloths, the heavy kind that are lined with batting to give them structure, hot glue, and different kinds of duct tape. That's it. Crazy. Ali is extremely forthcoming about the fact that these suits probably aren't winning any awards for most screen accurate costume, but they do look great on stage from a seat in the audience, which at the end of the day 
is the thing that really matters. Jamie and Allie also talked about another notoriously difficult prop to create, the space gun. Recently, they went ahead and ordered a 3D printed one from Satin Worshippers, run by our cast members Hillary Manning and Maya Tversky here in New York City. Not even a shameless plug. Order everything from them. They're incredible. But before that recent purchase, they were rocking an old prop gun with the devil's pitchfork attached to the front. And apparently it worked just fine to get that three-prong effect. Much like my penis. The moral of the story with all of this, as Ali very succinctly put it, is that there's no wrong way to Rocky. We're all just trying to put on a good show. And if high-priced items like custom spacesuits aren't in your budget right now, it doesn't mean that you can't still put on a great show. I've got to say, it was very validating to get to hear some of this stuff discussed. Because... New York City has been doing shows at so many different venues recently, we haven't really been able to do a full show with all of our big screen-accurate props. We've been having to use a lot of smaller stuff, stuff that's easy to break down, that we can transport by foot or by cab. So, for example, we have a big, nice wooden tank that we used to use at all of our shows, you know, pre-Patagonia, and we kept it in a closet in our theater. But right now, we haven't got a permanent theater, so getting to use that tank would be pretty much impossible. So instead, we've just been using two light stands that you just go get at like Home Depot and a red bed sheet that's just spread across them and tied to the top. Works great. Does it look anything like a tank? Absolutely not. It looks like a red bed sheet hung up on two light stands. But does it get the point across to the audience? Yep. Does it give us a tank-like structure for Janet and Rocky to do touch it in? Also, yup. Yeah, and we've been kind of compromising uh, in this way on a bunch of stuff. One of the things that everybody wa always wants to have is a nice throne for Frank to sit on during, you know, uh, sweet tea. Uh, but hauling that around is an absolute no-go. But every single venue is going to have a folding chair. So we went ahead and picked up uh, some of those, like, seat covers that you see, uh, like, at weddings and stuff. You know, how they put, you know, nice seat covers onto shitty chairs to make them look kind of cool. Well, you can go get a black one. And you can also get, like, a silver, like, kind of accent piece that goes around the back of it. Slap those two things together and you've got a makeshift throne. It's pretty great. We've also been picking up smaller hand props that aren't perfectly screen accurate, but are small enough to be easy to transport. Things like a very small bouquet, things like some some toy weights for Rocky. Uh, we've got a nice small form factor pickaxe that works very well. Uh, things that, you know, you can kind of just say it's close enough because it's only on screen for a little while. Yeah, FNS does a lot of like prop workarounds and the cutest one we have is instead of like a transducer wall that a lot of casts have, we have, it's a sign and our director like put LEDs into it so it like lights up with a switch and it's supposed to be like the uh, sonic transducer that Riff and Magenta used to like freeze all the people and we put it on an audience member and it opens up like another chance to pull people on stage and to change like their Rocky Horror experience and it's just really cute. Really awesome. I really like that one a lot. I absolutely love that one. When the lights light up on it, the first time I saw that from you guys, I was just like, oh, well, that's clever as shit and looks awesome. Yeah. I mean, th this whole topic is something that I've kind of been struggling with personally since we've returned to performances. Like, I take a lot of pride in keeping screen accurate. So the idea of fully embracing budget and transportable options, that's been really difficult for me to reconcile in my head. But at the end of the day, 
it helps to keep in mind that it's not about us as performers. It's not about what we specifically like. It's about the show that we're putting on for the audience. And as long as they're having a great time and they're enjoying themselves, like, they don't give a single fuck what the tank looks like. Just that, you know, Janet and Rocky are behind it, hamming it up while he grabs her boobies. God, I wish that were me. <laughs> so thank you to Allie and Jamie over at Francis Bacon for sharing all these tips and insights with us while also being very validating. If you want to check out the whole video, it's linked for you in our show notes. And if you've got some budget costuming tips that your cast uses, write them in to share with the community. I know lots of casts could probably benefit from your tips the same way that we're all being helped out by Buffalo. Just go to our website, rockytalkypodcast.com and fill out our form to share with us. Did somebody say boobies? Jacob, that was like three lines ago. I know. I know. My spidey senses started tingling and it took me a sec to get my computer booted up. I'm sorry. I really got to work on that reaction time. Well, since you're here, uh, we've got a write-in this week and uh, I guess you can help us read it. This week, the write-in is from Harley in New England and they write, Hi, friends. I was really excited over my new piece of artwork and thought y'all might like to hear about it. And I'd love to hear y'all's thoughts on it. For those who don't know me, I'm an illustrator that loves nothing more than Rocky Horror fan art. I've done series of the characters as classic pinups, pride-themed, mermaids, and even NSFW. I currently design merch for Fred at the RKO Army, Wild and Untamed Things on Etsy, and the Edison Boutique Zephyr's Etsy. This new piece was inspired by classic fantasy stories. We have Sir Majors protecting Princess Janet from the evil wizard Frankenfurter with his golden man-made dragon. There's lots of shenanigans behind the scenes from the jester Riff Raff, Barmaid Magenta, Belly Dancer Columbia, and the scholar Dr. Scott, all in the pages of Denton Fairy Tales. So, what kind of things do you think the characters in this universe get up to? What other crazy themes would you like to see the Rocky cast in? I want to hear all your thoughts. Heart. You can find more of my silly doodles over at Beans Doodles on Instagram. Anyways, thanks for looking and being so fantastic. Hope to hear from y'all soon. Oh, this is fucking great. I love Harley's artwork, and this is just oh, creme de la creme. Absolutely fantastic. I love this theme. I especially love all of these kind of things that take Rocky and put it in a different context. And and this one's great. This is like medieval Rocky horror. Like, so what do you guys think? What what shenanigans is medieval Rocky getting up to? Is it the the quest for the holy dildo? Is it the uh the knights of the round tank? I kind of liked Aaron just saying things into the ether <laughs> to yeah, see what stuff. Keep going. <laughs> I, I don't know very many medieval stories. Oh man, fucking riffraffs like throwing poop out the window oh, that's so cute <gasps> shut <laughs> up are you harley drew this uh-huh are you fucking kidding me isn't it fucking great look oh my god stop right now and today nikki found out that harley was in fact talented i knew harley <laughs> was talented but when we were t i thought we were i don't know what i thought we were talking about i didn't think we were talking about this i'll be honest with you um I'd let that belly dancer Columbia do horrible things to me. I right? want to look like medieval Janet. I'm envious and horny at the same time. Do you notice that like his little, that Brad's shield is like his patch, but uh, yep. updated 1363 Denton? Look at Magenta's boobers, dude. Are you kidding? I wish my boobers looked like that. Me fucking too. 
I think I need this on a shirt, right? Like, I, yeah. this, this is exactly a shirt I would wear. Yeah. Yep. Harley, do it. Red bubble this shit. I love Please. it. Harley, thank you so much for sharing this doodle with us. It's totally gorgeous, and it's so clear you spent a ton of time and effort working on it. I personally can't wait to see this design on, like, a t-shirt or something. I mean, as someone who wears almost exclusively Rocky-themed shirts, I said it before, this would make a great addition to my collection. And I'm always a sucker for genre-crossing ones. I've got this one where it's like a Rocky mixed with Star Wars kind of thing, and somehow Columbia has a magician's wand. Anyway, I mean, this this beats that out for originality. Like, I have that Friends shirt, like the the Frankenfurters Friends-looking like one. That one's kind of cool, too, but, you know. Man, I just give me these sweet, sweet, sweet crossovers. Well, while we're talking about crossover art, Harley has come up with a little bit of a surprise for us that we wanted to open up on air. Oh my God. I don't know if y'all remember, but about a week ago in our show's group text, we were talking about having some promotional art commissioned. <gasps> Shut up. Of course, as Shut the, the group text up. was comprised of us, it got really stupid really fucking quick. Shut the um, fuck up. <laughs> uh, Nikki, Jacob... Meg has sent over some screenshots of that chat. Do you want to do a little bit of a dramatic reading of your art Wait, you didn't say this. You said, oh. Oh my God. I love this conversation. Shut up. Hold on. Okay. So I suggested mom and dad, Meg and Aaron with angsty teenager John and me and Jacob are like babies. Jacob is crying and I am absolutely kicking his baby ass because I am the strongest baby canonically. Then I reply with, I secretly have a gun as a baby. It's a baby safe gun. Just waiting for my moment to shoot and maim her because I am the most gun baby. Little does he know, three days prior, I was fitted for a baby-sized bulletproof vest because I am the most prepared baby. I knew of your status as the most prepared baby, so I preempted the vest with reinforced bullets that go right through Kevlar because I am the most preemptive baby. So I said, LMAO, put editor Aaron in it, make him child-sized, give him a comically large lollipop. Shut up. Did we get these Shut things? Up. This would be incredible. Shut up. Oh my Shut God. the fuck up. Of course, this Shut opportunity up. was too good to pass up. Shut up. So oh my God. producer Meg sent the messages over to Harley and You're asked kidding. if they would be able to create this uh, masterpiece. Of course, they were more than happy to oblige and they absolutely knocked this shit out of the park. You're kidding. And you want to see it? You're shitting me. <gasps> wow. Shut up. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Shut up! Holy shit! Wow. All right, so uh. Thing says fart. (laughs) Of course it does. I'm also wearing a uh, a onesie that has the Animal Crossing leaf on it. Of course you are. Oh my god, my glasses! Shut (laughs) up! Oh, this is adorable. This is amazing. Oh my, my god. god. Oh my god. Okay, you guys have to check this out in the show notes, but uh, you know, it's a podcast, so I'll give you a little bit. So it's got Oh, this is great. It's got Meg in the background in like a 50s housewife dress, holding a plate of, I don't know, cookies, brownies, something like that. Just giving us the the dirty eye like she always does cuz we're doing stupid shit. Nikki and Jacob are, like, sitting here as babies, going at it. Nikki's, like, giving Jacob the, like, ooh, I'm watching you kind of hands back and forth thing. Jacob has his gun. He is the world's worst baby. Uh, And, of course, me in the middle there with my number one hottest baby. (laughs) (laughs) 
God damn it. With my number one hottest baby uh, bib on, and I'm, I'm, I'm clearly going to town on this fucking lollipop, while uh, John's sitting over in the corner in his onesie, like, tongue-fucking a glass of milk. <laughs> like, this is fucking amazing, Hartley. I love this. I got milk. <laughs> it is absolutely wild to be able to capture the the absolute asininery of Nikki and <laughs> Jacob's back and forth while also kind of keeping the personality of everybody actually. <laughs> also, Jacob, that little bow in your hair looks fantastic. I love that little bow in my hair so goddamn much. I might buy a bow and replicate that in real life. <laughs> this is everything. Yeah, we're going to cosplay this sometime soon. Yes, oh my right? god, absolutely. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going to find a onesie with the Animal Crossing logo on it, but I'll find it. <laughs> I just get a giant lollipop. This sounds great. I'm going to yeah. go to a candy coma. Right, because oh Aaron already God. has a bib that says number one hottest baby on it. Hey, that's <laughs> yeah. for different purposes. <laughs> Harley, thank you so much for humoring our ridiculous bullshit. This picture is absolutely <laughs> gorgeous, and we cannot wait to show everybody your fabulous work. I love it. <laughs> You bamboozled yeah, they, us. Uh, they messaged me and they were like, did you record yet? I was like, we're recording in like a half hour. And they were like, okay. So many, many thanks to Harley for doing art and just generally being a wonderful person. Our community would absolutely not be the same without you. And with that, let's move on to everybody's favorite segment. Knack. Jerking it with Jacob. No, no, fuck you, not this week, second best baby. Ugh, fine, fuck off, I'm out, bitches. Did, did he really just say fuck <laughs> off and then leave himself? Yeah, he did. <laughs> He's gonna take his ball and go play with himself. <laughs> okay, guys, I want a proper damn knack snack this week. I'm Nikki, and in these here parts, I ask the questions. So just the other day, we released an interview with Rowan Kamore about their new documentary project about Roy Rossi. And I actually wanted to talk about something that came up while we were chatting after our interview stopped rolling. What is the deal with Rocky Horror documentaries? You would think, given how long Rocky has been around and how many projects have come up over the years, that there would be a lot of documentaries to pick and choose from. But when I start Googling around, I end up relatively empty-handed. And I feel like I have to be missing something. So what's the deal here? So I'm super happy to talk about Rocky Horror documentaries, like high level. I think that's a fun topic, but unfortunately, you are going to be pretty underwhelmed with some of the answers here. Well, geez, don't get us too excited, Aaron. What's the problem? It's, it's mostly the lack of finished materials. So all told, by my count... There are only two finished, published, released Rocky Horror documentaries that ever made it out into the wild. Three, if you count, like, the pseudo-documentary behind-the-scenes footage that's, like, on the Laserdisc and the DVD and the Blu-ray. Which we don't count. So, yeah, two. 1981's The Rocky Horror Treatment and the 2000 release A Regular Frankie Fan. How is it two? I've seen so many other ones over the years, shooting announcements and trailers and previews, and you're going to tell me that in 45 years, we've only had two releases. And I'm going to even call bullshit on the Rocky Horror treatment, because, I mean, I guess it's a documentary, but let's be real, it feels a lot more like a 20-minute ad for shock treatment. 
Rowan mentioned the Rocky Horror treatment specifically in our interview. If you haven't checked it out, go take a listen to our exclusive interview with them. And yes, when it was released in 1981, it was basically just an ad for shock treatment. But it's not like that's a bad thing. There's some still really cool footage in there. Like, you get to see the 8th Street Playhouse. You get to see a very young Sal Piro. There's genuine, you will never see this anywhere else, interview clips with Little Nell, Richard O'Brien, Vance Parker, and more. I have seen this one. It's up on YouTube and will be in our show notes for anyone who would like to watch. It's only 20 minutes and the quality isn't the best, but where did this come from? So the Rocky Horror Treatment was produced literally as a direct-to-TV promotion to coincide with the run-up to Shock Treatment's release in 1981. Directed by Don Klein and produced by Chuck Ashman, if you aren't familiar with their work, uh, don't be surprised. From what I can gather, Don Klein also worked on a single episode of Welcome to Pooh's Corner in 1983, and uh, yeah, that's it. I'll go poo in the corner. You're fucking disgusting. No, I'm John. And I mean, there's not much to really say about the documentary. It's a nice time capsule of early Rocky Horror culture. Everyone they interview, this is still in the era when they're proudly proclaiming that, like, Rocky Horror is a cult and it's so crazy and out of this world and how awesome they are because they've personally seen it over 100 or 200 times. Fucking amateurs. The community hadn't quite figured out the party line, had we? So, okay, that one's fun. A quick watch, though. You mean to tell me that between 1981 and 2000, there wasn't a single other documentary? I mean, if there's one thing the community is good at, it's starting on projects that run into obstacles or just completely lose steam. Uh, There were a handful of announced projects over the years, but nothing was ever actually released. The closest thing uh, came with the 1990 VHS release. There was a short blurb at the beginning of the tape that reminded viewers to keep watching after the credits roll for an exclusive look at the Rocky Horror phenomenon. But all you really got for sitting through the entire end credits was a six-minute blurb using some updated footage from the 10th anniversary, or maybe it was the 15th, and they still had to cut in footage from the Rocky Horror treatment to get to a six-minute runtime. That's disappointing. And not even a proper documentary. That's more like a special feature. Which, if you're looking for something that, while not framed as a documentary, is exclusive interviews and never-before-seen footage, take a look at the -the behind-the-scenes footage that features Jim Sharman, Richard O'Brien, and Tim Curry. Those interviews were done on set during filming, and it's cut together in a way that at least vaguely tells the story of Rocky's origins. But I wouldn't even call it produced. It's edited for the sake of making it coherent. Not like you would produce a narrative with that documentary. Yeah, that's available on the DVD and the Blu-ray. You can go check that out. Uh, Similarly, in 2000, uh, VH1 did their big tie-in for Rocky Horror's 25th anniversary. There was a ton of, like, short little segments that were produced and aired on VH1. Some were vaguely documentary-like. Others were just plain weird. This is where we get all of that footage of Richard O'Brien where he's just walking around Oakley Court singing acoustic versions of the songs while he's like jamming out on his guitar there's a couple of little tidbits that he drops in there but again it's not really a documentary those are weird he's kind of telling little stories in between the songs but it's very unproduced i wouldn't call that a proper documentary either well don't worry in 2000 we get the only other proper entry on the list 
It was called A Regular Frankie Fan, and it was written, directed, and produced by Scott Mabbitt. This is the one that I think a lot of the community has seen. If you haven't, go hunt down a copy. You can still find it on DVD, like, relatively cheaply. I think there's even a copy somewhere on, like, Vimeo or something. Anyway, it's not that hard to find. Almost the entirety of the documentary was filmed at Southern California theaters in the run-up to the new millennium. Mainly, it features Barely Legal, Sins of the Flesh, Midnight Insanity, and a, a handful of others. Just like the Rocky Horror Treatment was a time capsule of late 70s, early 80s Rocky, a regular Frankie fan is basically the same vibe just 20 years later. I'm pretty sure I watched this with you, Aaron. I know Meg likes to show this one off because it's, well, frankly super absurd. <laughs> you <Reviews> said frankly. <laughs> nice. Reviews online for a regular Frankie fan are pretty mixed. For the non-Rocky folks out there, they seem to bemoan that it really doesn't do a great job actually telling anyone about Rocky. It comes across disjointed and with a lot of random stories from community members that are barely related to Rocky. And when they do actually talk about Rocky, it's the same three points. The Rocky party line was out in full force by 2000. Rocky is sexy. Rocky is weird. Rocky is accepting and a place for everyone. Ta-da! Personally, this was one of the first glimpses into the wider community that I had when I first joined. I picked up a copy of this in the very early 2000s, probably 2004, 2005, after I had joined my first cast, but before I had really delved in headfirst. I was, like, following the discussions on the news group and all that. So this documentary was a nice way to put some faces to some names. People like Mark Tomano, Liz Stockton, Becky, Bill Long. You know, lots of the big names from the 90s and 2000s over on the West Coast scene. I could not tell you who a single one of those people are. I never saw this thing. And honestly, I think it's a little too cringe for me to really want to sit down and watch. Like, I ain't got time for that. Yeah, I think that's kind of the takeaway here is that if you aren't involved in Rocky, like deeply involved in the community, this thing didn't have a cohesive story. And if you are involved in the community, you're seeing people who certainly by now, many of them have been out of the community for going on 20 years at this point. You literally have people in this that were involved in Rocky before current cast members were even born. I I don't like that at all. Suck it, boomer. But I mean, <laughs> what else even is there? Like, as far as I know, this is the only documentary that has been given a proper release. And when you look at the production quality, you can see some of the sacrifices that they had to make to even get it out the door. There's no licensed footage of the actual film. There's only covers of a few songs. No interviews with the big name actors or anybody from the production team. The footage quality varies greatly. Much of it shot on early generation digital video cameras. Like the audio isn't great. Honestly, one of the cooler things though is that they got Paul Williams to do the narration. Who's he? Uh, he played Swan in Phantom of the Paradise. Maybe you remember him as El Slizo Pianist, right? From the original Muppets movie? Not ringing a bell. He's, he's mostly known as like a songwriter. He wrote for Three Dog Night, Karen Carpenter, and his songs were sung by Elvis, Sinatra, Streisand, stuff like um, We've Only Just Begun and Just an Old Fashioned Love Song. And oh, the Muppets, uh, he, he worked on Rainbow Connection. Nope. <laughs> God damn it. Absolutely not. None of this. <laughs> I love my Kermie. Huh? Are you, are you all right? No, I'm John. 
Okay, well. Binky's Miss Peggy. Fuck your life. So those are the only two documentaries that were ever completed. But what about the others? Can we talk about those? Okay. So in the interest of completeness, I am happy to talk about Rocky Horror Saved My Life for a few minutes. But just so our listeners know, I don't have any more information than you do. But briefly, if you're not aware... Rocky Horror Saved My Life was a project that was kickstarted about eight years ago to produce a fan-made documentary. Uh, it was conceived by Sean Stutler, produced by Larry Vizel. There were a lot of members in the community that contributed to this thing. They raised over $65,000 on Kickstarter and then raised an additional second round of over $16,000 on Indiegogo, along with a couple other backing campaigns and, you know, other ways that you could donate and contribute. Uh the first 15 minutes of it were posted on YouTube back in 2016. There was a screening of a unfinished version at the 40th anniversary. There was a screening of a part of the documentary at RKO2, some appearances at Gen Con, and a handful of other events. However, and this is the thing that sticks in everybody's craw, no version has ever been released on DVD, no version has ever been released online, and no version has ever been sent to the backers that actually backed the project. The most recent update from a few years back talks about having difficulty with distribution. They apparently were running into some trouble trying to get the license for showing actual clips of the film, you know, Rocky Horror, and... There was a strong sense that they didn't want to distribute it or publish it without having a distribution deal with a major distributor. Because if you're not aware, once you release a film, a distributor is not going to pick it up. It's already been released. There's nothing exclusive to them. And once you've released a film, like normally, you can't then take it to go show at uh, festivals and other things because it's a released film. It's no longer eligible for the festival circuit. So those things are what has been publicly communicated as the main reasons that this thing has not actually seen the light of day and made it into our hot little hands. I think we can all say, just release the damn movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is me personally talking right now. I, I think that it's kind of become a joke at this point. Like, I have no desire to sit through another sneak peek for this at a convention. Like, most of the people in this thing... A lot of them are already out of the community, some of them for almost a decade. And frankly, it's disappointing that such a massive community effort may actually never see the light of day. Sean, I know you don't listen to the show. At this point, you're just pissing everybody off. Waiting for the 50th is not going to help this thing. Just release the damn movie and maybe regain some of the faith that the community generously placed in you. But that's not the only in-progress documentary that's currently floating around out there. I wasn't aware of this other one at all. There's one called The Rocky Horror Phenomenon. It was in production right up until the start of the Panera Bread. And this one actually seems pretty promising. Yeah, this one comes out of Germany and seems to be taking a different approach from stuff like a regular Frankie fan and Rocky Horror Saved My Life. Instead of focusing solely on the community, it looks to be all about the play, the film, the actors, and Rocky Har, the piece of art, with the community taking a bit of a sideline. And from what we saw before, you know, the world turned to shit, this was looking very, very promising. 
there's clips and blog post articles that the production team had posted online where they are talking about where they're at with filming. Like, they had already interviewed most of the stars of the film. You know, Barry Boswick, Susan Sarandon, Little Nell, Patricia Quinn. Like, they had talked to a lot of the production members. Sue Blaine, uh, Jim Sharman, Richard Hartley. Like, they have exclusive looks at some of the props and models that were done for the film. There was, for the first time ever, Sue Blaine showed off some of the original costume renderings that you had never seen anywhere before. These were super cool. Uh, you should definitely go check them out. They're up on their Facebook page. They're you got to scroll a ways because this is, like, 2019 when these came out. Um, they even got an interview with Jim Sharman. And this is one of my favorite quotes that that came from this interview where he says... After this interview, I will probably never speak about Rocky Horror again to this extent. So, like, that's huge, right? You get you get the man, you know, who was one of the two most pivotal people, or the three most pivotal people, however you want to count it, uh, who contributed to this, who's doing an interview, kind of the last hurrah, you know, at least in his mind, for speaking about Rocky. So, before the pandemic, the production team was all set to fly to the U.S. and to do their interviews with people like Sal Piro and Lilius and, like, all of the kind of community members that, you know, built up the cult in the late 70s. Uh, but obviously, that went to shit. Uh, it was originally planned to have a 2020 release date. It's kind of indeterminate what's happening now. Um, I know that their production team suffered the loss of one of their members. That was incredibly unfortunate. Uh, obviously, our, our thoughts go out to them. But hopefully, 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 this will get out of delay hell and, you know, maybe maybe come out sometime. Uh, 2022, maybe? Hopefully? Eh? Eh? I certainly hope this one can rise from the ashes, and if not, hopefully someday the interviews can be made available, as I would imagine that there's a lot of never-before-heard stories and insights in them. We've also got to give a brief shout-out to all the smaller-scale fan and student-produced documentaries that have been released over the years. I know college students love to use Rocky as a topic for anything from short projects to senior thesis films. I was actually interviewed for a senior thesis film on Friday night. We've had a number of them come interview the cast of New York over the years. Most of the time, they kind of ask the same questions, much like we've seen in the other documentaries that we've talked about. The party line, you say. <laughs> yeah, right? It's all about, uh, you know, what is this movie about? Because they'd rather hear it from us rather than them doing a voiceover over some B-roll. Talks about, like, you know, what we've done or, like, our journey within the Rocky community. We've had conversations and talks about uh, things like favorite callbacks and... The history behind how callbacks evolved, history behind how performing in front of the stage evolved into what we have now, you know, that kind of stuff. It always ends on a nice, poignant, emotional note about how Rocky is there for the weird kids, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the questions that, that you see are, are always kind of the same. I mean, that's why the party line has become the party line, right? Rocky's a place for everyone, regardless of blah, 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 right? You know, all that kind of stuff that we all kind of have down pat as our answers for this. There's only so many things you can really say about that. A lot of the problem, not the problem, but a lot of the kind of reason is that all of these people, uh, college students especially, who come at Rocky to create a documentary, generally aren't coming at it with a lot of experience in the community. Community. They're coming at it from an outsider's perspective, which is a great perspective for a documentary. It's just 
it's nothing new or original for us in the community to kind of see. It's yeah. the, I, I, I've seen a number of these, and like some of them that have popped up are very well produced. They're very well put together. But you play through them, and you're just like, ah, yes, there is so and so from our cast saying the bit about Louis Freese at the Waverly Theater in 1970, you know, kind of thing, uh, which is fun. But also, you know, I hope they got an A. But it's it's nothing that we're gonna write home about to the community. Uh, in addition to, you know, college documentaries and all the small-scale stuff, there's also a lot of local efforts. Uh, I know that Frankie's Favorite Obsessions out of Las Vegas did a documentary about 10 years ago. Uh, it tracked their cast history from the prior couple of decades. Um, and there's also a number of smaller segments that people have put together that have been shown at conventions, either as, like, pre-shows or fun little one-offs. Those are always fun to see, and generally, when they're community-produced, they have a different kind of edge to them, a different kind of angle that is always, you know, fun to, to take a look at. And I hate to be the one to mention it, but we should probably talk about all of the documentary footage out there around the Rocky Horror remake from 2016. Or we could fucking not. Oh, why not? This this one's actually kind of interesting because it's a look at what kind of deep exposure to the cast and crew you get when documenting modern films. So in the run-up to the remake's TV premiere, there was just a ton of footage that was published on YouTube and on Vimeo and all over social media. They had interviews with the cast and interviews with the crew. They talked about all kinds of different topics from, like, their characters' motivations to, like, their own personal experiences with Rocky Horror. There's even a bunch of exclusive looks at costumes and props and the sets. I mean, I used a bunch of this footage in order to recreate the Eddie and Columbia costumes that Meg and I uh, wore for Halloween a few years back. Yes, we did Eddie and Columbia remake costumes, uh, and they show, you know, all this kind of stuff. Meg was sitting there scrolling through them while she was making her Columbia costume. I was doing the same thing, screen capturing them to try and get, you know, the high resolution version of like the image that's on Eddie's t-shirt and stuff. These were fantastic resources. Uh, It's just a shame that they're about the remake. (laughs) I mean, really, it's all the stuff we wish we had from the original film. Fox's marketing department really went all out to try to give the fans exclusives into the production process. It's just a shame the remake sucked. And that's our show. We want to thank Carly for their write-in and for sharing their gorgeous art with us. Crying. We'd also like to thank Rowan for joining us on air last weekend to talk about their doc, A Portrait of Roy Rossi. That convo aired a few days ago as a special bonus 1047-11. If you haven't gotten to check that out yet, please do yourself a favor and go listen to it. That film is going to be fucking awesome, and we're all super excited for it. And as always, we'd like to thank Jacob for writing and being on air with us this week. We'd also like to thank Aaron from Tennessee for all his help with editing. Aaron's the only 10 I see. Shut up. If anyone has a question they'd like us to answer on air for Nikki Asked a Question, or some community news they'd like us to talk about, or even just a cool story to share with the community, we'd love to include it in our show. Just go to our website, that's rockytalkypodcast.com, and fill out our contact form to tell us all about it. If you're enjoying Rocky Talkie, please help us out by rating, reviewing, and subscribing to the show. It makes the podcast more accessible to new listeners, which really helps us grow the show. And if you want even more Rocky Talkie content, check us out on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok, all at Rocky Talkie Podcast. We'll talk to you next week. Bye! See ya! Pussy! 
Bing bong. Fuck your life. What's up, baby? Take me out to dinner. I really need to go watch this TikTok video. <laughs> My eye itches. Oh my god, scratch it. And with that, let's head on on over. <laughs> Next up, we've got another new video in from the Francis Bacon experiment about something that has been very near and dear to me and John's heart recently. <laughs> god damn it. <laughs> this experiment about something, about something that has been very near and dear to... Who, who is this supposed to be? Probably Mag. <laughs>